Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Uh, last week, uh, we had a, you know, we started sort of a, a worship service on um, uh, to, to start our year and the whole week was pray, praying and fasting and um, I think some of you almost uh, died through your fasting but you made it so good on you and um, on Sunday we had a you know great service of time of prayer with testimonies and things like that and so I hope you you enjoy that time um, we're going into you know just going into finishing up um, well, starting from that worship service and coming into uh, uh, two, the next two weeks, we're looking at this series, uh, it's a two-week series that we, we've made it, um, and it's called Great Faith. And, you know, we really, I mean, you may know as well, you're sensing some things in your life that God is wanting to do for you this year. And, uh, you know, we've, we've come into our, our time being here, uh, you know, the last four or five weeks of, of 2019. And probably God's been showing you a lot of things. Hopefully, hopefully through the sermons and, and you've, been, you've gone away and, you know, you've had some time to, to think about some of those um, sermons or, or your own personal study. And God's been just really challenging you uh, for the beginning of this year. And I wanted to encourage you. Um, that as you move into this this next two-week series, I pray that it's going to really um, help where you are at today with your life. I'm aware that there's so many of us in this room. If there was a, a scale from, you know, uh, I mean, uh, you know, from one one to ten, uh, ten meaning you're going to heaven, uh, one meaning you know that side of heaven. Um, you know, you'd place yourself, there'd be so many of us that would stand in different positions from zero to 10, knowing how much in our relationship is currently. And you got to remember, there are sometimes in the year, you may be a seven on fire for God. And then later on in the year, you may end up being a three and you're close to hell <laughs> because just so many things are either happening in your life or you are you are, you are falling into, you know, temptation and, and struggles and things like that. And so you've got to understand that the journey with Christ, it's not easy. But the thing is, um, don't, don't give up. Don't give in. It's not worth it. Um, yes, you are going to face a lot of troubles. You are going to go through some hard times. That is life. But what better way to do this life with Christ and I want to encourage you today as we look at this two-week series, um, and you may come next week and you're on, on a different number. Let's hope, let's hope you've, you've moved up and not back. Um, and every week, we hope that we, we either just stay steady and stand and trust God in that number, or we slightly move up a percent or, or even a 0.5 if we have to. We're continuously just journeying with God. And so this two-week series, Great Faith, you know, I'm hoping at the end of the sermon, uh, the series, all of us will have a, just a greater, this greater understanding, greater understanding than we ever have before um, of just a snippet of, of the biblical doctrine and the teaching about faith and how to apply it to meet the challenges in your life this year. And how, you know, today, uh, um, the focus of today 
uh, today's challenge is this. How do you continue having great faith during the same old boring and mundane routine of life? (laughs) Christians today are getting bored because church is not appealing to them anymore. Um, You know, the things that we do, it's such a, a, a place that we just consume. And we just come here and we think, okay, what am I getting going to get out of this? And I hope you do get something out of it. I, I, I always hope I do. I always do. But it just stays there. That's the thing. And then we leave here and there's nothing that really happens with those things that we've learned. And so, of course, we start getting bored. <laughs> you know, we come here every Sunday morning, most Sunday mornings, our worship team I don't know how many years, some of them have been in there for, for five years plus. They come every Sunday morning. We do the same thing over and over every Sunday morning. And sometimes it's tiring, right, team? We come in and, and we sit up, we do all those things, and we practice the songs, and we go check our mics and that. And then when it's all game time, we all put on our best face for you all. you know. And I hope and I pray that we've doubt without issues before we've gone up on stage because sometimes we, it's hard. How do we be consistent and continue having great faith when you're having to do the old same boring things and the old, you know, the mundane routine of life? We're going to be looking um, at this chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, Okay. I think a lot of us know a bit about that, but a bit about this chapter. But let me give you a bit of a background. The book of Hebrews, it's, it's actually a letter written to encourage fellow Christians. Okay, we don't know, actually we don't even know who the author is of this letter, but the author writes as if he was writing to people that were already Christian. He knew they were Christian. And these Christians, they knew the history of Abraham. They knew the history of Moses. They knew about the Ten Commandments. They knew about God's laws. Uh, They they understood and and knew about the history of the Israelites that walked 40 years in the desert and before reaching the Promised Land. So this letter is one that was written pretty much to converts, to believers of Christ. The thing is, these particular Christians at this time of this letter, they were getting persecuted and following Jesus, all because they gave up following all the local gods and the deities of their community of their time. So some of these Christians, they had to endure being, you know, publicly shamed before other people. Some were having to face being physically persecuted, even their own property property or their own property was being confiscated from them. That's what it says. And so these Christians here, they're beginning to second guess whether following Jesus is actually worth it. The pressure of being Christian is actually wearing them out. And so this letter, it's written to them to to keep on persevering, right, through the hard times. And the Christian community at that time, are facing the pressure to follow the culture of what they're living amongst and around and living in. The culture that they were living in, it was a place where people desired to be wealthy and of high status, of fame. You know, you had to be at the in crowd in this community. Now, imagine having a good job, right, in this time. 
And that job helps pay your bills, helps buy all the things that you enjoy doing. And all of a sudden, you lose that job just because you become Christian. And after you would lose the job, there was no income, right, coming in to pay the bills. So you'd be going to others for support, and you'd be asking for help. The problem there is people, they're not interested. They're not interested in supporting you because it was your own fault for choosing to follow Jesus. And most of your family and friends, they're not even interested because they just think, man, you caused your own hardship. You know, it was yourself because of what you chose. You chose Jesus over the lifestyle that always has been part of this community. So, good job. You deserve what, you, you, what you've done. So your only hope then is to turn to your fellow Christians. But they too, they're all in the same boat as you. And so you're having to encourage each other, but encouraging each other in that boat that is sinking, it get, it's hard. And so you're encouraging, it gets harder, and you stop strengthening over time. You stop strengthening each other in the faith. The next thing you know, people, maybe yourself, maybe other friends of yours, stop following Jesus because it's too hard. This is what was happening to these Christians from this letter. And you can tell that if they were confis- land was confiscated from them, their land, it shows that they were quite wealthy themselves. So you can imagine having your house taken from you if you pay a mortgage in here. But that might be a good thing, actually. No. <laughs> you know? And getting kicked to the curb. The thing about this letter, the big push was to encourage the Christians to persevere but that wasn't only the main, only main thing. The, the main focus of this letter was all about telling Christians not to get stuck at the elementary level of Christian learning. This letter was to, to push the people of that time to, to refocus or focus and to look toward you know, the eternal reward that awaits them. And also... This letter was to, re, you know, to encourage them to, to recommit to Jesus, to, to two things, to Jesus and to the church, the church community. Now, this letter is to convince as well that Jesus, he was worth, worth fighting for and he was worth living for. And one of the main parts of this letter to encourage the Christians to persevere is when the author of this letter of Hebrews, he reminds them about uh, the heroes of the faith. And you'll find that in chapter 11, the heroes of the faith. Now, if you don't know much about these heroes, they are mentioned in Hebrews 11, and we won't talk about all of these heroes, right? Uh, just due to time. But if you look behind me, these are some of the heroes that are mentioned in the letter. Now in the history of what you and I believe as followers of Jesus, these men and women, they are some of the greatest examples from the Bible of how a person should live by faith. In this chapter, it gives a brief 
uh, about all of them and what they did in believing in the things that, that were impossible to believe in. But in time, God showed himself strong as they waited patiently on him. Now, the interesting thing about these heroes is one of these people in this hall of fame or these, these heroes of faith, they don't quite fit with this group. And I want to turn your attention today to this one person. And this person is a man named Enoch. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life on earth so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. What a weird verse. <laughs> what an interesting story. Now, there are 16 different heroes mentioned in this chapter, right? You'll also find within this chapter that there's other names that are not actually mentioned outright, like the ones you see in these verses of chapter 11, but there are some references about those other heroes as well. However, the majority of the characters mentioned in chapter 11, they actually did something with their faith. Noah, Noah built an ark. He built an ark in preparation of a flood that had never happened before in history. You had Abraham. Abraham, he left. You got to understand, he left his homeland. He left his people. He left his nation. He left everything behind in search for an unknown land that God had promised him. If I stood up tomorrow and said, man, I'm leaving here because I just feel God has called me to go. I'm not going to say a name, but wherever I go. And you probably think, oh, where did that come from? came from God. Then you think, yo, crazy. I'm going to another church. Sarah, even Sarah, I think it was, it said that she was good as dead. Sarah meaning she was too old to have children, right? But yet she believed at such an old age that she would have a son to one day represent the future generations. Moses, he led the Israelites. He led them out of Egypt and across the Red Sea. David, David, you know, he stepped out in the fear of God and became this giant slayer, soon followed by becoming the king of Israel. These heroes are just some examples of the faith uh, well known in the Christian circles. We know a lot of these stories when we come to church. But Enoch, <laughs> not many of us here would probably know Enoch for, for doing anything great. Not only that, I don't think a lot of us don't even know who he is. I've got a mate named Enoch. He lives in Australia. We love you, Enoch. You know, Hebrews 11, it says it, says it all. In verse 5, by faith, Enoch, he was taken from this life so that what? So that he did not experience death. Interesting. Noah built the ark. He built. Abraham, he went. Sarah, she had a baby. Moses left, and he led God's people. And when I think of those great men and women of faith, those heroes, let me tell you, faith, it requires action, right? 
It's not just an idea to think about and do nothing about that thought. Faith is something that we believe that should then make us step out to physically do. Yet, it's funny how we read, right, that Enoch didn't have any action behind his faith. He was just taken from this life. <laughs> There's another Bible version that says, by faith, Enoch was taken up. He didn't die, <laughs> in other words. God just took him. Why is Enoch different from the rest of these heroes? And before I tell you why he was different, let me explain a little about him. In Genesis chapter 5, this is where you read about Enoch. And it says this, when Enoch had lived at the age of 65 years, he had a kid. He fathered this, this, his son named Methuselah. In verse 22, it says, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah for another 300 years. And thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He lived for that long. And then verse 24, it says again, Enoch walked with God. And that's where we get, and he was not found, for God took him. You know, throughout these verses of, of Genesis, it talks about all the different lineage that happens and who was the father and so-and-so and the father of so-and-so. But then it also mentions that they lived for this long and then they died at this age. And they died at this age, but their son was so-and-so and, -so and then, then they died at this age. Then it comes to this guy, Enoch walked with God and he was not found. God took him. This, I guess, is just my main message I want to get across today. And I hope you catch this for your life as much as I have been challenged by it. Enoch's main action behind his great faith was that he walked with God. And just by walking with God, he was one of the two people one of the two people in the Bible that never experienced death. Genesis 5, 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not found for God took him. Enoch's main action, the thing he physically did to become a man of great faith was his walk. <laughs> now I'm not talking about a... <laughs> The kind of walk where you want a gangster ling like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it mentions how after he becomes a dad at the age of 65 to his son Methuselah, and that's a whole other story for another day, but the rest of his life, for the next 300 years of his life as a dad on earth, it says Enoch still walked with God. <laughs> he walked with God. Now, Coming back to the author of Hebrews, his reason of putting Enoch in the history of our heroes of faith is because he wanted to remind the Christians of that time 
that faith in Jesus requires walking it out, no matter how hard or how long that walk will be. Get this. Enoch, it says, when a son was born at the age of 65, the next 300 years, 300 years, he walked with God. Enoch walked the next 300 years of his life with God. And some of us in here, we can't even handle walking a week with God before we give up. Will you be willing to walk the next month with God? How about the whole of 2019? How about the next 10 years of your life? Have you ever thought that you and I may be walking with God for the remainder of our lives on this earth? Have you ever thought of that? Some of us might have 50 more years in us. And some of us may only have five years left in us. I don't know. How much faith do you need in order to trust God in your walk with him? To walk with God, it implies that we desire his company and we're willing to surrender to that. We want that communion. We want that intimacy with God. We want that closeness. We want his presence. We want the spiritual fellowship. Man, that's what Enoch had for 300 years of his life. And during those 300 years, think of how much influence he had to the people around him. You know, as we walk with God for the rest of this month of February and for the rest of 2019, for the next five years, maybe 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40, did you know that your influence will increase for good and most importantly for God because people will look at your life and they'll see, they'll see the evidence of the work God is doing in your life. And let me emphasize here, just in case you haven't caught it yet, okay? <laughs> if, you, if you have caught it, then, then let me be a broken record that just skips and repeats the same words over and over again. This walk with God, it isn't a run, it's not a sprint, it's not even a jog. It's not walking behind God or trying to get in front of him because he's too slow. This walk with God, it's a steady progress of unbroken fellowship. It's communion and fellowship with brothers and sisters amongst church fellowship. And as you walk with God in this way, there's a spiritual progress that becomes evident as you go from one level of, of spiritual maturity to another and to another and to another beyond anything we would ever see in our life until we part from this physical body. Man, 300 years of walking with God. That's, that's, that's next level, man. But we need to remember that it also required great faith for Enoch to persevere through all his life obstacles 
and those temptations he faced those 300 years. You and I, we're told to walk as Christ walked. We're told to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But let's be honest. You and I, we struggle to do that in just the few years that we've been given life here on this earth. And so let me bring you back to the challenge that I said in the beginning from this message. How do you and I, how do we continue having great faith during the same old boring and mundane routines of life? I guess the answer is this. You learn how to walk with God. And then you continue walking with God. That's it. You know, for those of you who don't know, some of you do. I'm one who preaches that running or jogging is a sin. It did not come from God, I'm sure. I'll find it in the Bible. Yeah, people, and this is the funny thing, right? People, they always tell me, Tolu, if you just try it and you start and you just keep doing it, man, you'll eventually love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your advice. But I'd prefer to use my car to get to my destination and to probably use my car to run you over the next time I see you jogging on the street. Just, just joking. Okay, just in case some of you guys are going, my pastor's going to hit me. <laughs> now, now walking, walking I don't mind, okay? I don't mind walking when it's hopping out of the car to go into the house, or I need to walk to go buy something at the shop. You know, I'm not one of those, those kind of fast walkers that you see people walking on the streets with all their weights and the earphones on and some, you know, from time to time, <laughs> let's keep going before I get, you know, a bit angry about jogging and running. But from time to time, my wife will ask me to go for a walk, not for a run. She'll always tell me, let's go for a walk. Never will run because she knows I'll just start rebuking her. Get behind me, Satan! <laughs> you know, anyway, last week, okay, we actually went for a walk. Um, our sons were at a birthday party, and so we had a bit of time, uh, you know, alone. So we thought, let's go down to Sylvia Park. Let's go for a walk while we wait. And it wasn't a walk, like I said, that required me to, to break out a sweat, you know, to have to stretch before we started walking. You know, it wasn't that power walking sort of rubbish. Um, you know, <laughs> we, 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 bought, we brought coffees from Sylvia Park. And if you know Sylvia Park, it's quite, it's like apparently one point something Ks, right? And so we walked with my coffee in my hand, very casually. <laughs> and I felt pretty cool. Even, mind you, my run is even a walk. So, and, you know, we brought these coffees and, and uh, not a care in the world. We were just catching up about the work, you know, our week, how the week was going and would you know, we're cracking jokes at each other. Um, we're just enjoying our time together. That's what we were doing. And, and sometimes in our walk, it was quiet, I guess, because, you know, we were just admiring the shops and enjoying the coffee. We weren't in any rush. 
And I tell you, I really enjoyed that time. I enjoyed that time with my wife. We often don't get to do that, but we did that day. And it's those kind, kind of times for me that build our relationship, our marriage for each other. Those are important, right? For any marriage, really, that kind of time. Hear me here. That is what God wants us to have with him. It's a relational walk with God. Now, too many of us may get caught up in thinking that a relational walk with God means we have a mission to accomplish and we need to get to that destination quickly, you know, and and when we get there, then we have to be ready to go again, you know, to our next place that God has called us to. And over time, you will get tired of walking, which really sounds like a run, and that's what creates burnout in your Christian walk. And you wonder why your walk with God has become so miserable, all because your walk with God was never relational at at all. And this type of unhealthy walk could happen. It could happen in a month's time. It could happen in a year's time. It could happen in five years or 20 years from now. It won't happen, though, if you learn how to walk with God relationally. When was it, this is interesting, when was it the last time that you just sat and you read God's word and just enjoyed reading something from the Bible that didn't have anything to do with your life and trying to find something to help deal with your issues? And you may be thinking, well, that's hard. I mean, all my Bible reading, it's about going you know, it's about God showing me how, how you know, more about my life and, and getting answers from him. Is it? Did you think that maybe that's an indication of not understanding what a relational walk with God should be like? I mean, me personally, every time I have to prepare a word every Sunday, And I'm doing it based on two things when I'm preparing. The first thing is I'm trying to get something from this message that that will teach me. What am I getting out of this message as I'm preparing? And then the second thing is what can the church, you, what can you get out of this message? But you know what? What I've had to do is most of my mornings as of the last eight months, And it's something that I just started to apply because I started to realize my relationship with God was a little bit different. But most of my mornings now, I've had to just read something that just has nothing to do to relate with what I'm going through or things that I'm praying for or believing for from God. Nothing. And lately, I'll just read a verse, you know, from the verse of the day, you, you know, pops up on your phone. And then when I read that, I just allow it to ponder and just thank God for how amazing he is. And I try not to apply it to my life when I'm struggling with different things that are happening. I say, man, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this word. 
Have you ever read the Bible just because? Have you ever fasted? Have you ever fasted to reveal more of his presence, so of just hanging out with him, with no intention of, of trying to get something from him? I don't know about you, but that's not easy. <laughs> Let's be honest, to do. It's not easy for me to do because me, I've been so wired in a way of what Christianity should be and what it should look like. And it's to a point where I've had to learn, I've had to learn to just slow down to walk with God and just enjoy the view and my conversations and my coffee with Him. As I finish, I want to encourage us all here. And this is from my heart, from what I learned. You need to learn how to walk with God at different paces this year. Yes, you will be required to have a fast pace from time to time when you're walking with God. Other times you may need to run. And other times you may need to jog. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith for these different types of paces that are actually coming your way. You've got a discipline. I mean, discipline is going to be something added to your life this year like never before. The kind of pace that requires reading his word to grow in it, fasting more often to sense his presence more in your life, building fellowship, building friendship here in this church, and maybe finding friends outside of this church with people that need God and you may be the missing link for them. By doing all these new things God is bringing to you this year, you must learn how to also walk with God. Because walking with God is what will keep you in this good fight for a lifetime here on earth. You know, my, my years, in the last yeah, five years, Every year has gotten busier as a pastor. I, I'm, I'm, and I'm assuming your life, lives are getting busier every year too. And I think what happens is I grow with my kids. My kids start to grow up. Different things that start to happen with them. You know, the involvement that I, of, of what I do for them. Um, you know, me and my wife, our workload gets more. Because we want to achieve good things, we're stepping out with the great faith. Um, you know, doing study, doing all these things on top of all of this, um, preparing and meeting people, you know, times when you're just tired, but you, you still do it. My life has not gotten less busier, you know, and, I, and there came a time, I think, in the last two years, I just realized, actually, I don't need to cut time. I just need to get time with God. Understanding that life is busy for all of you. The first thing is that goes is actually God. He gets put to the side because he's running or he's walking too slow. Yet he's standing there going, what's the rush? I've got it all under control. But my finances, 
I need to figure out how to do this in, in the house or my car or my exams or, or my family, the issues that I have here, 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 Lord. You got to keep up, God. Yet God is just coasting and saying, I got this coffee for you to spend some time with me, to walk with me so we can enjoy the view. We can enjoy my creation, but you're too busy, too busy with life. This is one thing I want to challenge you this week. One of your evenings when you feel there's so much workload that you've got and you think, man, work is finished and I've still got so much to do. Spend it with God. Don't spend it doing more work. Their job, their work, it's there tomorrow. But wouldn't it be great when you get time with walking with God? I guarantee you the next morning, how refreshing it is. And it could be spending God time in, in God's word. But if you've got a family and you're a dad or you're a mom, spend time with your kids. That's walking with God. Be an example. Enjoying life. Don't worry about the, put the phone down. Don't worry about the job tomorrow. It's still going to be there. Could you do that for me? And learn how to walk with God. God's going to show you how to walk with Him this year because your life is going to get busier. Things are going to come your way, but God's going to go, it's all good. Just come and stay with me. And I want to finish off with this verse that helps some of the things you and I need through this journey with Christ for this month, for this year, for this life. And it's this verse. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith is the confidence in what you and I are hoping for and being absolutely sure of the things that you cannot see. Let's pray.